0: Let's see if we can't get somebody to develop it. Well, after I was mayor, for about a year and a half, we couldn't do it. We couldn't get anybody. So I was the guy that prevented it from being demolished in the first place. Then I was the guy that ordered the demolition.
1: The Odd Fellows Building. Let's see if we can't get somebody to develop it. Just one piece of the dramatic puzzle that made up the decade-plus-long saga in the 1970s and 80s in redeveloping the 100 block of South Michigan Street into a shopping mall. Former South Bend Mayor Roger Parent shared his memories of the time, and you'll hear more about that in a moment. But first, welcome to Round the Bend Now and Then, a podcast that shines a light on the South Bend and Mishawaka area. Through interviews with local business owners, leaders, and community members, our listeners and I learn together about all of the great people and great things going on in our community, as we also learn about South Bend and Mishawaka's history and how intertwined our past is with our present. In the last episode, you heard the owner of Peg's restaurant, Peg Dalton, share her journey in downtown South Bend over the last quarter century as it has experienced somewhat of a rebirth. In this episode, you'll hear that the block that her restaurant has thrived on for years, the 100 block of South Michigan Street, was not always peaches and cream. In an era where suburban malls across the country were being built, downtown areas were losing retail shopping fast, and city leaders were scrambling to keep shoppers downtown. You'll learn more about urban renewal in downtown South Bend specifically in the mid-1970s through the early 80s. You would not believe the twists and the turns and the drama behind it all, as a large amount of businesses were ultimately demolished. Many of the redevelopment plans never came to fruition and a good portion of the land sat vacant for two decades on into the 1990s. A little background behind this episode, and it's funny how things work out sometimes, I was on winter break recently at the local and family history room at the library. And just saying that is kind of crazy in my mind because if you ask the 20-year-old Matt Emery what he would be doing 20 years later on his winter break, I guarantee it's not hanging out at the library. Anyway, um, I was researching at the library and I stumbled upon a binder that contained multiple different newsletters from the mid to late 1970s. The newsletters were called Downtown South Bend Council, city center news the main intent of the newsletter was to highlight downtown south bend and basically try to keep people shopping there right there my curiosity was just sparked with all of the efforts to keep people shopping downtown and of course former south bend mayor roger parent's name was mentioned several times within the newsletter since he was the city council president at the time i get up a couple hours later i get up i go to leave I look down, and there's a book written by Roger Parent. I pick it up. Turns out it's brand new. I check it out, start reading it. And as I'm reading it, I'm just thinking to myself, how cool would it be to meet with him and capture some of his memories? So I reached out to him, and he so graciously agreed to come on and chat. In this episode, I meet with Roger Parent, former Peace Corps volunteer South Bend City Councilman from 1972 to 1979, and then our mayor from 1980 until 1987, former South Bend School Board member from 2009 until 2014, and most importantly, loving husband and father to four children and six grandchildren, and South Bend Strong since 1964. We first discuss his book, and then we get into his memories of our downtown during his time on the city council and as mayor. In between our conversations, I try to provide some background information to the listeners about downtown urban renewal in general, but more specifically, the ill-fated downtown shopping mall plans. Next, before we dove into anything, I took the time to describe why I so highly recommend his book. After that, he describes the purpose behind why he wrote it. Your book is called Getting Things Done, stories of leadership from South Bend mayor's office to the school board, the Peace Corps and beyond. Um, and you shared uh, just stories throughout, throughout your career in um, public leadership and just all of the intricacies and, and yeah. moving parts of getting things done. And we'll talk about it here in a sec, but okay. whoever's listening to this, I just want to express that y- your book, man, it's, it's such a great read because it's engaging in in a sense of each chapter can be its own separate yeah. book, right? But you did such a good job of taking all of the intricacies of government and all of the um, complex situations, and you shared it to the reader in a sense that we can understand it. Yeah. Like you, you really did. Um, so I highly recommend it. Well, good. I highly recommend it. Not just for public leadership, but for leadership of all kinds. Your um, 25 lessons in the end the one about, I love this one, if you're damned if you do or damned if you don't, you do.
0: Yeah, that was, I got that from Father Ted years ago. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hesburgh. Father Ted Hesburgh.
0: Father Ted Hesburgh. <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, talk to me about why you wanted to write the book. Well, I, I wanted to write the book because um, I, I thought that my experience mm-hmm. in in a political arena, but also just in, in, in leadership in general, mm-hmm. in terms of... Uh, Uh, nonprofit organizations. And as you know, I was in the Peace Corps way back in time. And so I thought it might be useful for some people. Mm -hmm. I I was not thinking of it as history at the time, but it is that too, because I'm talking about the 1970s, 80s and and beyond, Uh uh, in our community and elsewhere. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. I definitely thought that was interesting. He didn't write the book as history per se, but it still is local history. Love it. Next, I asked him what he wanted folks to learn from his book, and his answer got me, of course, talking about the ethanol plant. And he provided such an interesting background to that, all of which is connected back to one of the main messages in his book of getting things done, even in very complicated situations. What are some of the main things you want folks to to learn from the from the book?
0: I I want them to learn that it's possible to be in politics. Uh-huh. It's possible to be in an elected position and to get difficult things done, uh-huh. and also to enjoy it. But also to get reelected if you want to, <laughs> uh, because a lot of you can be in politics, do nothing, and get reelected. Right. But that's not that's not me. That wasn't uh, you. I, I wanted to help uh, to create a better community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was my that was my my intention, my goal. And so, um, that's what I did. So I was yeah. always uh, pushing the envelope, so to speak, on uh-huh. a lot of issues.
1: Yeah, and but the way you describe it in the book, it really helps paint a picture in my head because, like I said, some of the the things you write about were quite involved. I mean, even like for for example, the um, uh, ethanol plant. Oh yeah. I mean the the hoops the the, my God, what you had you had to deal with. Uh, uh, the politicians who came to you to present it, they didn't even get reelected. So then you had to kind of reboot.
0: It was a very interesting time too, uh, uh, where uh, um, complicated projects could get done. Uh-huh. and But you had to do it working with all kinds yes. of people. Yes. Not only Republican, Democrat, independents, but you had to... Um, as a Democrat, uh-huh. you have to get your Democrats together in the first place. You know, the Democratic Party is known as the party of the big tent mm-hmm. because you have all kinds of factions within it. Okay. But once you have that done, you still have the—you're right. The ethanol plant was one where we were working with the Democrat John Brademas at the time okay. and, and Birch Bayh. And and it was their project in a way. They, they, they called me to yeah. see if we would be interested. And then, of course, they lost in the election. Mm-hmm. So I had to turn it from what was at the time seen as a Democratic project to a Republican project. Uh-huh. And uh, Senator Luger at the time uh, had a little fun with me when I went to <laughs> see him about it. Uh, but basically he said, hey, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll work to get it done. Because it needed both yes. federal, state, and, and local elected officials to approve it. And, but, but that's also the message, which is uh-huh. which is that if you want to get things done, then you have to bring people together work with all kinds of people to get it done. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And that was just like one, one small, you know, chapter you wrote about, but there's multiple different ones in there. So I, I highly encourage anybody to to go out and read it. Next, we get into a few more lessons learned from his book, mainly on how important it is to take that first step. Then we got into the East Race and also Kovaleski Stadium. Well, Four Winds Field now and forever the Cove to me. And folks, I so wanted to keep asking him about both of those projects. It is just so interesting to me. I could have kept asking for hours, but I was afraid by the time we got to the Century Mall and the downtown redevelopment plans, we'd both be tired.
0: There are there all kinds of lessons in there that mm-hmm. that uh, I I didn't set out. Right. to do things the way I did I didn't know uh-huh. you know you get into politics uh, don't come from a family of politicians and so you are just kind of make things up as you go along yeah. <laughs> but if you want to get things done then uh, uh, you jump into it without knowing exactly what will be required yes thank God because sometimes you wouldn't do it
1: yes and and that goes back to Father Hesberg's quote of if you're damned if you do damned if you do don't just do just right do it just do and, it.
0: Yeah, and I also learned from my father, who was a carpenter in the old way in okay. northern Maine. That's where I'm from originally. He was a carpenter in the old way, which is somebody came to him and said, I want to build a house. Uh-huh. He gave him a picture. Uh-huh. And then he has to design it and do all that. And so one day, we were walking around a lot where a house is going to be located. And it was kind of a challenging location. Yeah, And uh, we were walking around. And finally, he said, well, if we're going to start this thing, going to build this house, we better start. Take the first step. Yes. I learned a big lesson that if you're going to do something, you got to take the first step, even if you're not sure what the next one will be.
1: That is, that is amazing. You said that my first year teaching, I get called on a Tuesday. I start on a Thursday. Mm -hmm. I'm 22 years old. They it's Joan Raymond's first year as a superintendent. They take, Every school employee to Notre Dame in the a- in the ACC there, and there was a gentleman who was giving a speech, and I'll never forget it because I was just fresh out of college, a little intimidated, a little, uh, yeah, you know, just hey, hey, world, here you go, world, it's it's here's your career, and he said he said the most important step, it may not be the hardest, but always the most important is that first step, mm-hmm. just jumping in and doing it, and from I never forgot that and. In my life, it's not always the hardest, but it's always the most important.
0: Yeah, I mean, for example, uh, uh, somebody came to me when I was first elected mayor and Mm -hmm. said, somebody came to me and said, hey, uh, we think you should build an East Race in South Bend. A canoe, a canoe, what'd you call it in there? A there? A, a whitewater kayak, yeah. <laughs> whitewater kayak waterway or whatever mm-hmm. in South Bend. I had never really thought about that. I'd heard about it. It was in the air a little bit. Yeah. And uh, they convinced me after quite a bit of discussion that this was a good idea. Uh-huh. So I said, okay, l- let's do it. Yeah. Now, I had no idea what would be required. Wow to to get that done getting the money was a, a real challenge <laughs> and then uh, also the design and construction was very challenging it was a first of a kind yeah, it's a white uh, water rafting that's course right. <laughs> and 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 Jim Sites who was the the grandfather of the Jim Sites who's principal and Adams and John Adams uh, was the director of parks at the time superintendent of parks yeah. and so uh, he talks about how challenging it was uh, to me. And, yeah. And so, uh, and the same thing with the 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 Cove, as you still, mm-hmm. I still call it the yeah. Cove too, Four Winds Field. Um, that was my idea, mm-hmm. you know. And that, one of the things I learned too, you've got to listen to people. Yes. Not only because you want to get elected, yeah. but because they have good ideas. Yes. And yes. Uh, that was another one where they came to me and said, you should build a baseball stadium. And I said, like why uh you're pretty busy doing a whole lot of other things just uh, yeah running the city day to day takes a lot of time and uh and there again they consent me and i said yes and we have it today uh it was a challenge too and and this was done uh, as much with the help of republicans as yes. democrats team uh, work it was, together it was a republican governor at the time mm-hmm. who said it's a good idea we had a secret meeting with him. Yeah, and,
1: uh, and if you read the book, you'll read about that. It's very that's right, so interesting. And those two projects that you just talked about—I mean, I was born in 1978, so mm-hmm. I was nine or seven or eight or nine when when the Cove was built, and then I don't remember a time without the East Race. So, but both of those right now are absolute gems in our city. We, yeah, uh,
0: gems. Yeah, and and. And if you had listened to people at the time that the ideas came up, you wouldn't have done it as a politician. Unbelievable. Uh, because there's a lot of opposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and In fact, one of the things that, that bothers me about politicians is that they're always taking polls to decide what to do. Mm-hmm. Now, taking polls during a campaign, I think, is fine. Yeah. But once you're elected, if, you, if there's a challenge or an idea that is, should be done uh-huh. or faced, then you should do it. Yeah, You don't have to take a poll. Yep. And if it works out, it works out. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. That's all there is to it. You're, you are exactly
1: right. But, but I'm t- the, just look at all that development around the East race and then now oh, with, yeah, with, yeah. With, with, with Four Winds Field and the development around oh, there. Oh, it's,
0: it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, it, it, I, it, beautiful. I thought they'd be successful, but I'm not sure if I anticipated exactly <laughs> what would happen. Well, it's great. Hey, the only risk in life is not taking one. That's right. <laughs>
1: Man, again, I am just so intrigued on how city decisions now will have an impact 20, 30, 40 years from now. And imagine 40 years ago. If the city leaders would have listened to the naysayers, we wouldn't have the Cove, I mean Four Winds Field, or the East Race today and all of the positive developments surrounding both. Speaking of city decisions, when you see pictures of our downtown prior to what is known as urban renewal, it is absolutely beyond me because those pictures that I see are not the downtown that I know. And it's very important that I take the time right now to provide some context here with a little background about urban renewal. But first, please know that there are tons of research studies, college courses, and tons of information on urban renewal. That's not the main intent of this episode. This episode, I try to focus on the 1970s plans to bulldoze entire downtown blocks of businesses on South Michigan Street to build a shopping mall. Quick definition. According to the Inclusive Historian's Handbook, urban renewal is the process of seizing and demolishing large swaths of private and public property for the purpose of modernizing and improving aging infrastructure. Between 1949 and 1974, the U.S. government underwrote this process through a Department of Housing and Urban Development grant and loan program. Although the money was federal, renewal plans originated with and were implemented at the local level. Now, from what I've learned over the years, and especially after researching it recently, urban renewal in downtown South Bend didn't just happen at once. It happened in multiple phases with multiple redevelopment projects over many decades. Some of the plans came to fruition (laughs) and others did not. And I think it's important to point out that most of you probably drive past some of these areas in our downtown every day that were a direct or indirect result of an urban renewal redevelopment project in the 1960s or 70s. For example, where the Century Center, Post Office, and all of those... uh, office buildings are at currently, was 100% completely different than what it is now. That area was way reshaped and transformed. If you see a picture of that area now, you, you wouldn't even guess where the heck it's at. Many of you know where the John Hunt Plaza is at, right near the Morris Performing Arts Center, beautiful grass area with fountains and everything. That was another entire block of businesses on Michigan Street that were demolished including the Granada Theater that was right across from the Morris. First source bank in the Doubletree Hotel, the glass building on Washington and Michigan. Now, I'm too young for this, but many of you know that block as the hole, because literally, it was a giant hole in the ground for several years as it waited for redevelopment. Those are just a few of the areas that were impacted by urban renewal at that time, And if you see pictures of these areas prior to all of that demolition, it is simply hard to fathom that it used to look like that. Next, Roger describes downtown when he moved here in 1964. Then we get into the start of the urban renewal era. He mentions department stores like Sears and how important it was to keep them downtown. I'm intrigued that when I see old pictures of our downtown, it's just, it's different than the downtown that I know. Um, and so once I start digging into it and I recall my, my mom and dad, and they were um, born in 1955. So when urban renewal started in South Bend, they were kids. That's right. Uh, And, and so I remember their stories about going shopping downtown and all the retail downtown and then, um, the century center area and all of that was just completely different. Um, so I've known about all that, but, uh, the the Century Mall little project area, I, I didn't know too much about. And so I started digging into that. You want to talk about getting things done? My God, like everything was contingent upon everything with this developer couldn't move forward without this, without that. And so in my research for Century Mall, not the Superblock or not the associates or not, but when you search Century Mall, in the old South Bend Tribune newspaper articles, I have almost 150 different articles from 1973 to 1983. You moved to South Bend in what, 60... When did you guys move here?
0: I moved here 64. 64. 64 to go to Notre Dame Graduate School. What do you remember about the downtown area at that time? Well, at that time, it's a little bit like what your parents remember. Okay. In other words, yes. you still had Robertson's, you still had a lot of Shopping downtown, okay. the friends to shop. I don't even remember all of them. Uh-huh, right, of course, that's fine. But there was there was a there was a whole lot of stuff going. So uh, we were pleased when uh-huh. we moved here to find a downtown that was pretty vibrant. Yes. And then of course, just at that time, a year before I got here, uh-huh. Studebaker had left. Yes. And then things were changing. Uh-huh. The malls were coming around. Yeah. And so. So we started talking at the time, uh, I'm not sure I was the first one, started talking about a century mall, a mall downtown, mm-hmm. which is probably a good thing, we we didn't build it. Right. Uh, because now it'd be going out. Yep. Exactly uh, right. And so uh, the whole redevelopment thing took, you know, cities like South Bend used to be called Rust Belt Cities, yeah. which I don't think South Bend ever was. Mm-hmm. We were always a vibrant community and very active and very lively, which is why uh, I, decided to live here in South Bend. Yeah. Uh, but the Century Mall didn't happen. I was involved in it, uh, in it to some extent, That the, and we talked about it.
1: Early on, was it a hot, not just Century Mall, but the whole urban renewal? Was it a hot topic at that time? It was you- a
0: very hot topic. You know, uh, going back a little bit, yeah. even before then, Lloyd Allen okay. was the mayor uh, until 19, uh, the end of 1971. Okay. And he really started sort of the redevelopment. You heard him mention Mayor Lloyd Allen there and how during his
1: administration is when the initial urban renewal project started. In my research, I found a letter that Mayor Lloyd Allen wrote the citizens of South Bend, basically announcing the start of the urban renewal era in our downtown. While I can't find the exact date on it, I would say it's around the mid to late 1960s. Here it is. Dear Citizen, The City of South Bend is now engaged in a comprehensive planning and renewal effort to eliminate blight and deterioration and revitalize itself on a community-wide basis. An inventory of existing conditions has been made, problems are being analyzed, present and future needs are being determined, and community goals and objectives are being established. The community's workable program for community improvement includes planning, neighborhood analysis, community organization, and citizen participation, sound fiscal management, codes and ordinances, and assistance to persons displaced through public improvement projects. We are now preparing to implement a significant improvement program within the community, the Central Downtown Urban Renewal Area, Project Number, Indiana R66. This brochure has been written to give you a better understanding of the need for the project, its goals, and procedures to be followed. The city has adopted a program containing tested and accepted principles of good municipal management for modern urban living. Your understanding and cooperation in this program will be essential to its success. You are invited to make your community a better place, which to live, work, and play sincerely Lloyd M Allen mayor I just wanted to take a little bit of time to read that because from what I've determined it's about the start of the major urban renewal projects in our downtown and imagine being a citizen at the time and just reading that you have no clue what the next 5, 10, 20 years will hold back to Roger and I
0: and then uh and then of course it picked up and Jerry Miller became mayor. Okay. And there was a whole big discussion then about Century Center. Yeah. Uh, And so, and there were a lot of buildings, uh, historic buildings, that were demolished to make way for Century Center. And so, it's taken 50 years uh, minimum to turn the downtown and the city around. Century Mall didn't happen. And one of the things that I like to tell people, you know, we tried very hard, by the way, to to keep Sears Sears downtown. That would have probably been a part of the Century Mall. Okay. Probably. So when Sears was where the Cove
1: is at now, Four Winds Field. That's right. Sears was there and it ended up being Gates Chevy, I think. Yeah, it was Gates Chevy. building. So you're saying you wanted to you wanted Sears to have a pr- presence like in the mall area downtown? Yeah,
0: I I, I remember, I mean, my own memory is failing oh, me it's fine. Here, <laughs> but good. I, I remember there was a talk about that. We wanted to keep, Pete Neymet was mayor then, uh-huh. we wanted to keep, we had a lot of discussion and petitions to keep uh-huh. Sears downtown. But I like to remind people that Sears Roebuck store was in South Bend downtown longer than it's been at the mall and it's now closed. So...
1: That is a good point because it wasn't, from my research, it wasn't. It was on Michigan Street originally. Oh in like yeah, thirties and forties. It moved and around. Moved it wasn't more than
0: one place. And so, 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 so there it was. Wow. So change is constant. Yes. the only thing we could do, but it's try to shape it. Yep. But it's going to happen whether we try to shape it or not. Right. Right. And so we've been fortunate here. Now the South Bend downtown is. The whole downtown is looking much better. We have more people yep. living downtown, mm-hmm. and you need people to have retail, so it's slowly happening. Yep. You heard me mention the Superblock
1: in Associates. In some of the original plans, the Associates Corporation wanted to partner with the city to build something called the Superblock. There were many iterations of those plans as well, and there could be an entire book written about that. A little more background about the redevelopment saga on the 100 block of South Michigan Street. After the superblock failed, there were several other attempts to redevelop the area with retail, including building an inside shopping mall that was eventually dubbed the Century Mall to piggyback off of the convention center, the Century Center. Now, the plans changed here and there over the years, but for the most part, the plans entailed demolishing all of the businesses between Washington Street to the north, Main Street to the west, Jefferson Boulevard to the south, and St. Joseph Street to the east. A great majority of those buildings were ultimately demolished, and the only buildings in that area that did not catch the wrecking ball were the Sherland Building that's still standing, and that's the building that has the Chicory Cafe and Jimmy John's in it. And the other building that was spared the wrecking ball is now the south bend chocolate company even though that building which used to house osco drugs was slated for demolition other than those buildings everything else was demolished including the historical odd fellows building which you'll learn more about later you heard us talk about sears The story of Sears is a perfect example of the ups and downs that cities were faced with while trying to redevelop their downtown to keep people coming. But each time a shopping anchor like that left our downtown, it was one more nail in the coffin. Some of you know that Sears was a huge retail store in our country for over 100 years. The city had planned for Sears to be a part of that new shopping mall on the 100 block of South Michigan Street. A South Bend Tribune article from November 16, 1976, describes the news when Sears informed the city that they'd be relocating. We gave it our best shot, says disappointed Mayor Peter Nemeth. The city has invested mammoth effort, time, and money in the unsuccessful attempt to woo Sears Roebuck and Company to participate in the $50 million proposed downtown enclosed mall. Sears officials announced that its local store will be moved to University Park Mall in 1979. Nemeth said that he will now contact J.C. Penney about their plans for stores in the area. Nemeth said that it will be more difficult to complete the downtown renewal project, and ultimately there will be $2.5 million that must be repaid to the federal government. The mayor said that it will be difficult to sell the remaining vacant land downtown in the near future. You see, they had already demolished plenty of buildings in anticipation of stores like Sears to stay and join their vision of the shopping mall. That's just one example of what city leaders were faced with. You have a giant plan to build a downtown mall with the critical business in your plan, and it splits, and that causes nothing but a ripple effect. The city received grants to acquire the properties to demolish the buildings to clear the land for redevelopment. But when huge anchor stores and the redevelopment plans leave, Other businesses don't want to stick around and risk it either. So the city is stuck with empty land and even may have to repay the government because the government gave the city money to rebuild on that land. And there is nothing being built. Next, I asked Roger about downtown being a hot topic as he campaigned for mayor. Do you remember when you were starting to campaign for mayor? It was after you're you're
0: still in the council, correct? I was on the council from 1972 to the end of 1970s. I campaigned for mayor in in 1979.
1: So, yeah. So you were, okay. Do you remember, was the... Urban renewal, downtown area, Century Mall was it still a t- hot topic when you oh, were oh yeah cam- oh so it was a hot topic when you were a oh it,
0: it was a very hot topic uh, economic development generally okay it's been a hot topic around here true since the days when Studebaker left true. and it was all it's always been a concern of city leaders elected yeah. officials and others so yeah this was all a hot topic downtown and up yep. here. The Oddfellows Building was one more
1: example of the drama that city leaders faced to redevelop that block into a shopping mall. Just the saga of that building alone could be the topic of a future episode. The Oddfellows Building was built on the corner of Washington and Main Street, where uh, TCU is at now, in the 1920s. It was a beautiful historic building, but by the 1970s it was in disrepair, and supporters of the mall project, including Mayor Peter Nemeth come hell or high water, did not want it as a part of that new mall, and they wanted it demolished. There were all types of battles over that building. Was it historic? Could it be integrated into the mall plans? Citizens were writing into the voice of the people, arguing for and against. Consultants were even hired to weigh the merits of the different proposals. And it seems to me that Mayor Nemeth just wanted it gone. I mean, there was a battle in 1978 over a simple statement. A statement. Mayor Peter Nemeth had to ask the Historic Preservation Commissioners to approve a statement that was also approved by the City Council that the proposed mall will not have any adverse effect on any historical building downtown. That statement may have helped free up federal funds for the mall which can be held up if any historical buildings are threatened by the project. So basically, the Historic Commission had to say that the mall area was free of historic buildings so that the Oddfellows building could be demolished. This is just one teeny example behind the years-long drama of that building alone. Next, Roger shares his memories and involvement with the Oddfellows building, which also is a chapter in his book.
0: The Odd Fellows is very interesting. And you I wrote was, a whole chapter about her. Right. <laughs> I was on the city council when the current mayor and staff wanted to demolish the Odd Fellows building.
1: As the entrance to the Century Mall area or
0: something. Something That's what like I read. that. Yep. Yeah. So I said, well, what? Why don't, I want to take a look. Mm-hmm. So I went to see the Odd Fellows building. I went up and down, went inside. It was a very impressive building. Mm-hmm. And I said, Convince the city council and administration to hold off, let's buy the building, which the city did, and then uh, let's see if we can't get somebody to develop it. Mm -hmm. Well, after I was mayor, Mm -hmm. for about a year and a half, we couldn't do it. We couldn't get anybody. So I was the guy that prevented it from being demolished in the first place. Then I was the guy that ordered the demolition. (laughs) Leadership. I don't know. You have to be flexible. Yeah. But the other thing is, if you remember the, what was it called? The pedestrian mall downtown. Oh, the you, right you by. You probably read that.
1: I Oh, I've read all about it and I'm quite intrigued by it. But by the state theater and by the former Robertson's apartment, they closed Michigan as an outside pedestrian mall.
0: You closed Michigan. It was the thing to do then. Yeah. I was on the city council when, the, when Jerry Miller, mm-hmm. who was mayor then, got that project going. Yep. I voted for it. Uh Now, when I was mayor, I had a guy that tore it down. (laughs) So I'm not sure what lesson there is here, except that times change, things Mm -hmm. change. and That's the lesson. And and you change. That's the lesson. And and so, yeah. And it's
1: funny with that too, because in reading all these articles and then the voice of the people with the citizens and they... One more study? Why do we need another study? We just paid 50,000 for a study 5 years ago. Well, you just said things change. Yeah. Everything changes and you have to be flexible and you have to have a, a you know, updated study for the new new people coming in. He mentioned that the city eventually even purchased the building. There was even a battle around the purchase price. Next Roger describes what it was like when he was mayor and dealing with all of the different plans and models that were presented to redevelop our downtown. Then he describes why he did what he did with those plans and models, and he attributes that to a new company headquarters being built on Main and Washington Street.
0: There had been a, a, a lot of discussions about what downtown should be like. Right. Models had been built. Uh huh. And and Multiple. ideas and government. So forth and so, uh, I knew that, right? Because I'd been on the you city were on the council. council for the past I, I knew that years or whatever. Yeah. And what would happen very often is people would come in, look at the models, look at the plans, and they would say, "Oh well, we can't do that here." Mm-hmm. And so what I did is, is took I took all the models away, the yeah. physical models of oh. what downtown should look like. I took the, them all away. The so, actual physical pledges. I told them to gone. store them somewhere. Yeah. so when people come here we can listen to what they have to say and figure out whether it fits into our plans yeah and so we did a lot of new planning and so forth but but that's what we did and so we we were fortunate for example the the teachers credit union is downtown uh-huh so we met with the the uh, the director, uh-huh. the, the man in charge of the teachers credit union, he wanted to have our support to build on Jefferson where they were at the time. Okay. They still have a building there. Yep, exactly. And so, so we said, Well, if you thought about downtown, mm-hmm. we said, you are a big, you're a big organization, you ought to come downtown. And and so he didn't say anything, but he called later on and he said, Well, can we talk about this? That's how we got Teachers Credit Union downtown instead of on Jefferson, where it would have been nice. It would have been, but look at
1: that building; it's nice but downtown.
0: And so that 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 was an example of we were looking for things that would fit into what we had in our minds should be right. downtown, but it was not there physical. If we had a a big model of downtown. You might've said, look, you don't fit in. Yes. That's what we did.
1: And you would have squashed one, a a possible idea just by, just by squashing that. And that goes with what you write about and getting things done is you have to listen. You have to listen to others. I found a South Bend Tribune article from November 13th, 1983, describing the news about TCU building there. Quote, as he stands on the threshold of his second four years at the city's helm, parent has a clearer idea of how the holes that are left in the downtown are going to be filled. And when they're filled, it would remove the empty look that has prevailed downtown since Mayor Allen started the wrecking balls swinging in the 1960s. Alright, that article was written in 1983. It mentioned the same empty holes left from Mayor Allen swinging wrecking balls 15-20 years earlier. Some of that land was still vacant for another decade and a half after the 1983 article was written until the Layton Plaza was built in the late 1990s. That, to me, just reaffirms that urban renewal in our downtown was a decades-long process and not just one person's fault. Next, I asked Roger about when he knew that the vision of the downtown shopping mall was done. And I know that word Century Mall, as I'm reading more and more, it kind of changed here and there. But when did you know it was done? Like, there's no retail. Like, we need to reshape.
0: Yeah, I don't remember exactly when yeah. it was done, but it had to be, uh, well, the early 80s. Yeah, pretty early uh, on in your administration. I, I would say... Later in my first term, which yeah. would have been 82, 83. Yeah. 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 We, the other thing is, although we were working on that, uh-huh. we were working on a lot of other things. And as I mentioned earlier, we we didn't have a plan that had to be done. We had an idea of where we wanted our downtown to be. Uh-huh. And it included also the East Race. The, our, down, yeah. our downtown in early history was very big geographically speaking Mm -hmm. we don't need that anymore yeah so we had to focus a little bit more on just the 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 core core, like the the core area so the century mall just sort of faded out yeah it just didn't happen particularly after sears left Mm -hmm. completely they made a decision they were gone Mm -hmm. it became less and less of a possibility
1: yeah yeah retail just that you had to reshape your thinking you know we mentioned earlier about Sears leaving downtown for University Park Mall in the late 1970s, and he also mentioned Sears there. I think he might have actually met Robertson's in this example because during his first term in, as mayor is when Robertson's department store ended up leaving. In an article from September 24, 1982, John Hunt, the redevelopment director at the time, speculated that the loss of Robertson's, quote, Means the retail sector of the Century Mall project is probably dead for the foreseeable future. Next, I asked Roger what would have happened if the downtown mall would have been built. Um, yeah. What, looking back now, what would have happened if we would have built that mall there? It, it
0: probably would be dead. Yeah. See, that Indianapolis big, big built a big mall down downtown. The Circle Center. The Circle yeah, mall, right in the middle. Yeah. That's not going anywhere. They're having to change its focus. Yeah. It, look what else has happened. We had a mall on the south of town here, mm-hmm. and we had the, the, the UP mall, mm-hmm. and these are no longer vibrant. No. The one south of town is gone. Yep, This one here, you know, it's changed a lot. Way changed. So what we have is the different kind of retailing. Look, look at the fact we buy a lot of stuff on, online. Yep. And you have the big box store,
1: mm-hmm. and they're hurting too. They are.
0: Because the more we shop online the more the big box so but i i don't think we don't know where that's going yet but things change you know and yeah. you mentioned scottsdale
1: mall and there's people who are still nostalgic about it but y- yeah yeah and it was that was as a kid we went there and hung out and, yeah. and walked around but it, by the end it was done it was a ghost town
0: but but the area is still a vibrant the area retail still has area. retail it has it's out there
1: target it has you know kohl's there's and all it kinds of all stuff that. over there yeah. now I'll wrap up the urban renewal redevelopment plans for a downtown shopping mall with the Voice of the People letter that I think probably summed up what a lot of people were thinking by October 6, 1982, when it was written. The closing of Robertson's must have sparked Pat Miller to write this, and he or she noted that there were hundreds of people protesting Mayor Allen in the 1960s swinging the wrecking balls, and quote, what city leaders for years that followed failed to understand that downtown could not be saved from the outlying monster malls nor from detached outside interests busy shutting down the main street through town and building yet another mall trees and benches for sculptures are nice but for retailers people are better instead of capitalizing on the downtown for what it was a centrally located individual hometown shopping area and revitalizing it accordingly Our leaders played copycat. Now, I'm not here to blame anyone. I'm not here to point fingers at all. I wasn't even born until 1978. But like I said, I just wanted to learn more about this particular urban renewal development project. And boy, it was like opening Pandora's box up with all the twists and all the turns and the drama over the years. But I guess it boils down to Father Ted's quote, if you're damned if you do and damned if you don't, then do, and our city leaders did. As you heard in our last episode with Peg Dalton and her restaurant Peg's, 50 plus years later after the wrecking balls began to swing, that area right now in downtown is thriving with restaurants, performances at the Morris, outside concerts, food trucks, and a lot of other happenings. Thank you for listening to another episode of Round the Bend Now and Then. And I want to thank Roger Parent for your time and for your memories. I'm sure that you were surprised when you got a long, random email from a random guy pitching his wild idea for a South Bend and Mishawaka podcast. So thank you again. And thank you for your service to our city. Your hard work 40 and 50 years ago as a councilman and mayor is still a part of the fabric of our city. How cool is that? Head to his website, rogerparent.org, to purchase his book, Getting Things Done. I also put a link in the show notes to where you can purchase the book. Check out our next episode as we shine a spotlight on the Griffin Games and Bookstore that has been in downtown South Bend since 1976. It was so cool to meet with Ken Pichkovsky to hear a beautiful journey that he and his late wife Sarah started almost 50 years ago. It's a prime example of following your passion and not letting anything get in the way of it including battling the city during the same exact Century Mall redevelopment project as we discussed earlier. It's truly amazing to hear the perspective from a new small business owner who had to relocate because their building was being purchased and demolished by the city. Of course, Griffin's journey is much more than that. So please join us next week to learn more about South Bend and Mishawaka's Now and Then.